Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 14. I'll be the first to admit that this seems like an odd topic, but here we are. The official bureaucratically approved title for this episode is Can't is Not in My Fuse Box, which sounds like one of those motivational posters that's gone slightly rancid or a t-shirt that a dumb guy with a big ego might wear. Come to think of it, I'm, I might wear that shirt. No, never mind. So here's what the title is all about. We have this built-in bias that everything is going to be okay. We're capable of whatever we set our minds to. And can't is not in my fuse box gets to that kind of thinking. I have a fuse box, and can't is not in it. Against all odds and all probability, I'm convinced that I can do what it takes. You can think that, but as my dad would say, you've got another think coming. Over the years, I've developed friendships with people from all over the world. Some are my students, some are my business connections, and some are folks who have uh, immigrated to the United States. And I'm always fascinated by what people from other places think of us. For instance, in France, they advise people who visit the United States to be helpful to others. Don't ignore someone who needs your assistance. People from the U.S. always help one another out. You know, I think it's a pretty good thing to be known for. But there are other things that we're known for, and I'll let you decide if this is a good thing or not. We are sometimes known for being too optimistic, sometimes stupidly optimistic. We assume the best outcome regardless of how unlikely. We expect things to turn out all right. Now, some of you Pollyanna types may be thinking, and what's wrong with that? Well, let me explain. I have nothing against optimism. I'm married to an optimist. But I would make the argument that you can be too positive. And I don't say that because I think we should all be pessimists. I don't. I say that because we need to have the good sense to give things some consideration. Give it some thought. If you've ever been in the uncomfortable situation of having to lay someone off, you know what I mean. It's not the time to say, everything will turn out all right. It might. It might not. You just don't know. Years ago, when I was in high school, I had the advantage of attending a small church. Now, I say advantage because it wasn't large enough to have a consistent youth group. And what that meant was, Wednesday night Bible study, I got to spend that time with people from every age group. At one point, we were studying the New Testament book of Acts, and we ran into the piece where Saul of Tarsus was not exactly being welcomed by the church. You have to know that a while earlier, he was on a mission to destroy them, so you understand their hesitation. Now, in Acts chapter 9, Barnabas vouches for Saul, who was later known as Paul, and helped him to build trust and relationships. Later, Barnabas goes, on, goes to bat for a rookie pastor named John Mark. Apparently, this was Barnabas's typical approach. His name means son of encouragement. Well, this struck me, and I knew that this was exactly the sort of fellow that I wanted to be. Even today, one of my goals in life is to be an encourager, and that dates all the way back to those early days in that Bible study. 
Well, I learned one particular lesson early on. It's no help to tell people things that are not true just to cheer them up. In order for encouragement to be valuable, it needs to be rooted in truth. So I learned not to say, everything is going to work out fine. You can't say to the sick, don't worry, you'll get better soon. And you can't say to the job hunter, just the right opportunity will come up. And I'm not inclined to say things like, everything happens for a reason. Well, you might be wondering, how can I encourage people, Sam, if you're going to take away all my cliches? Well, let me help you with that. The word encourager stems from the word for heart, cur. So to encourage someone basically means to fill their hearts, to make them full-hearted. Now, you can't do that well if your only tool is a platitude. There's a lot of stuff in life that doesn't have easy answers. Now, to quote James Lilex, for those of you who are offended by occasional strong language, what I'm going to say next includes occasional strong language. I have a sign hanging in my shop at home. I made this sign when I was in college the first time for my bachelor's degree. I was an editor for the school newspaper, and I had it hanging above my desk. I kept it with me all along. It's my response to that lame advice that When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Here's what my sign says. When life gives you shit, make shit-aid. Now, that's language I rarely use these days, but the point is still relevant. I created that sign during one of my most cynical, crabby phases. But the truth still holds. There are some things in life that don't get any better by diluting them and adding sugar. If the idea behind encouragement is heart-filling, well, I think that's why genuine encouragement is so rare. It's not easy to fill people's hearts. Now, let me share a few of my ideas with the caveat that there may be other ways to do this as well. I'm learning, okay? But here are my tips for how to encourage people in ways that matter and without resorting to unhelpful, stupid optimism. First of all, see people. Sometimes I'm at my office late and the facilities people come in to empty my trash. I always say hello and I thank them for their work. And I make sure that they know that they're not interrupting me or wasting my time. I let them know that their work matters. See, do this with anyone who's in a service role. Please don't object to this. Courtesy should never be beneath you. When people are in those roles, they are there to make your life better or easier. Don't make theirs more miserable. Now, second, focus on what you do know. If they are naturally good at something, let them know. Compliment people who have completely different skill sets from yours. Recognize the effort that they put into developing their expertise or their skill. A few years ago, I went to an event and got into a discussion with a fellow. Uh, I know, I'm, it kind of sounds like a non-introvert thing, but he started it. So anyway, we talked a bit about our work, and he happened to be a surgeon. And he made a big deal about me having a PhD. He said something like, I'm just an MD, but that's nothing compared to the work you put in. Seriously? I, ca- I still kind of think he was blowing smoke. I shouldn't do this, but clearly an MD trumps a PhD any day of the week. But think about the humility and encouragement that he offered. See, for both of us, our advanced degrees are simply credentials for the work that God has called us to do. And I think we both came out of that conversation feeling pretty good about ourselves and about one another. 
You see, it's easy to encourage people if you appreciate good work in any form and if you pay attention to what they do well. I sometimes marvel at my colleagues and the skills they have developed, and I let them know. I have a friend who's a diesel mechanic, and a really good one. I have no idea how that kind of expertise gets developed, and I let him know. Another friend plays the harp, both as a soloist at events, as well as in an orchestra. She's a skilled multi-instrumentalist, and that kind of art is a big deal, and I let her know. People have plenty of self-doubts. You don't need to point out their weaknesses. They know them, and they're probably sensitive about them. Catch them doing something right and draw their attention to it. Finally, when you're having a conversation, learn to sympathize with them. Don't say stupid things like, I know how you feel, because you don't. Say something that acknowledges their concerns, like, that sounds like a really challenging situation. See, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says this, Comfort others with the comfort with which you yourself have been comforted. That's from 2 Corinthians 1.4, and it's a reminder, when you're encouraging others, don't make it about you. You may be able to one-up their suffering story, but don't. Listen to them. Let them know you care. Let them know that you wish the best for them. Now, if you happen to be a person of faith and you say to them, I'll pray for you, then by all means, do that. Don't use phrases like, I'll pray for you, as one of those cliches that I mentioned earlier. If you say you'll pray, make certain that you do. All that to say that most of the time, when people share their problems, they're not looking for a solution, they're simply being honest. I had a ferocious week this week. I won't go into details, but there are about five people in my life who are really hurting, all of a sudden, and I'm hurting on their behalf. And uh, I met up with one of my work colleagues for a meeting earlier this week, and I spent about 10 minutes before the meeting simply blathering on. And my friend endured it. Didn't offer advice, just listened. Apparently, shutting up was all the encouragement that I needed. I did not need platitudes. I didn't need meaningless optimism. But this friend was there for me, even when I was just venting. Take that into heart in your own leadership. Learn to encourage people in ways that recognize that life can be hard, unfair, sometimes downright miserable, and it's okay to acknowledge that. Here's a faith moment. Most of the Psalms in the Jewish and Christian Bibles are songs of lament, complaints about how things are not as they should be, and reminders to God that he's in control and needs to do something. In our culture, we've largely forgotten how to lament, probably because of the rise of that stupid optimism that I mentioned earlier. One of my pastor friends loves collecting hymn books from across Christian history. He's noted that around the late 1800s, lament psalms started disappearing from hymn books in the U.S., Today, they're almost non-existent. Yes, they're still in the Bible, but they don't get much airtime, so to speak. We tend to ignore the lament psalms, and we need them. Why do we need them? Well, life doesn't always give you lemons. Sometimes it's worse than that, and it's okay to say so. As for the phrase, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, my hope is that you can never hear that phrase the same way again. And if that's the case, well... My work here is done. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. 
All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.